0: My name is Jeremy Quintanilla. You were listening to Age of Jeremy. I'm an entrepreneur and I'm the co-founder of Age of Radio and 3T Fitness and, well, other businesses that I'm working on. This podcast is about everything that I learn and the trials and tribulations it took to learn them. I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for tuning into The Age of Jeremy. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, February 2nd, 2021 at 5.07 p.m. So some of the stuff that you may hear might be outdated by the time you hear it. That's, I guess, one of the negative things about listening to a podcast. But the good thing about listening to the podcast is you can just keep coming back and listening to it over and over and over not sure why you would do that. I take that back. Lots of people do that. I do that with a lot of podcasts, especially one of my favorite podcasts. Succession, successful business generation, <laughs> successful generations. That's what it's called, successful generations. One of my favorite podcasts. But I thought we would just uh, kind of get started here. Make sure that you follow me on Instagram at age of Jeremy on TikTok at age of Jeremy. On Twitter, at Age of Jeremy Q. On LinkedIn, at Jeremy Quintanilla. Make sure you join our Addicted to Facebook Facebook group on Facebook. And uh, go ahead and follow Age of Radio Addicted to, I'm sorry, Age of Radio Verse on Instagram. And then also, as always, give a shout out to my good friends Kevin Anytime and Coach JV. Follow them on TikTok, Coach JV. It's Coach JV underscore Kevin Anytime is Kevin anytime. And uh, they're just destroying destroying the health and wellness scene right now. I'm the finance guy, which is kind of what I wanted to get into to today is finance. Actually, that's not really all that I was going to get into today. I kind of want to go over a couple of things and we'll talk about this a little later in the episode, a little bit more about what happened with Robin hood, but there was a lot of interesting stuff that happened in the news that I just want to bring to your attention. Uh, there are a lot of people out there that don't believe in reading the news or watching the news. Um, I think that the, watching the news and being a part of the news is great. I think if those things kind of cause you anxiety or fear, maybe you should back away from them. My mother watches The like the evening news and and uh, it's always talking about the coronavirus and it always causes her some type of anxiety. So I think that with someone like her, I don't think that she needs to be watching that. I think she might be better to read some good, good old fashioned newspaper like The New York Times, maybe The Arizona Republic, definitely The Washington Post. One of the best newspapers. Uh, New York Times is a great newspaper too. Wall Street Journal is my favorite newspaper. Financial Times. One of my favorite newspapers, The Economist. And obviously, where we get a lot of our news is Market Watch. But I think if you want to really dive deep into journalism without reading long form journalism, one of the best places to do it is uh, by getting a newspaper, sitting down, and reading it. But I think that you should be up to date on what's going on in the news. And one of the biggest things. There's, well, there's lots of big things that have going on in the news, but I'm just gonna say uh real quick, I think that uh AMC stock, I'll probably go into this a little bit later, but I thought I'd stock start with this AMC stock and this GME stock because AMC stock is down to $7.82. And just to kind of prove my point about what drives a stock going up, I decided to waste some money. So I took 400 bucks, just threw it at AMC. It was just fun money that I had. Um, and so I threw 400 bucks at AMC just to see what would happen. I have to hold my position for 30 days and I have to get approval to sell it um, from my uh, main job employer. So I couldn't just buy and sell it through a sh- uh, through a short um Uh, I have to, I guess through a short period, I have to hold it for a longer period. So if we look at AMC Entertainment holding at it seven dollars and eighty two cents, it's down forty one point two nine percent. I bought it at fifteen oh two, and uh, I figured that that was going to happen. Not a big deal. That's uh, I just wanted to show how speculative investing and how volatility works with speculative investing. You have to be on the beginning part of it, and one of the best ways to be on the beginning part of it is to make sure that you have all the information and to get as much information as you can as possible. Um, or in the case uh, the there was a possibility that I could have. There was the possibility that I could have made most of that money back if I had the ability to sell it. So if I turned around and sold it, I think it got up to almost seventeen bucks that same day. I could have sold it that same day and made that that two dollar profit. Um, but again, not a big deal. It's four hundred bucks. Um, but GME. So AMC is now fifty one percent today. Let's see where GME ended. GME's GameStop, it's down to 90. It had a 60% decrease. And so I'm going to go into this a little bit later when I talk about Robinhood and their solvency problems. And kind of, that was a big, that was kind of a big, I I take that back. It wasn't a big shock to me, but I think that was a big shock to a lot of people that a fintech company had solvency problems. I don't know any fintech company well, there are there are some now because some of them are getting so big, but I don't know any real fintech company that doesn't have solvency problems. In fact, if we even look at Tesla, Elon Musk, who's missing, not really missing, Elon Musk even has solvency problems with uh, Tesla multiple times, He even made a, a tweet this year that they're going to need to come up with some more cash at some point because they're not going to have to make enough cash to, to, to meet the requirements for all the, the cars that they need to build. So I think it's ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous to trade on Robinhood, but I'll explain that a little bit later. Um, so I guess since I brought up the missing Elon Musk, uh, Elon Musk decided to uh, go off of Twitter today. I think that's good because uh, he can maybe spend less time tweeting, love Elon Musk, but maybe he could spend less time tweeting and focus on less rockets blowing up. So today, Elon Musk company, um, SpaceX launched its latest Starship prototype from the South Eastern tip of Texas, uh, two months after the previous test ended, and in an e- equally explosive belly flop. And the response from the individual that's in charge of the launch, I think it was um, Scott Budman, SpaceX test ends an explosion. Oh, no, no, not Scott Budman. My apologies. Um, uh, Scott Budman posted a tweet saying that SpaceX test ends an explosion on landing pad. The full scale stainless steel rocket reached its intended altitude of 6.2 miles, slightly lower than the last one. Everything seemed to be going well as the 160 foot starship flipped on its side and began its descent, but it did not manage to strain itself back up in time for a landing and slammed into the ground. SpaceX tried to launch uh, another Starship last week, but failed to get the necessary approval from the Federal Aviation Administration, prompting a Twitter outburst from Musk. Musk obviously goes through a lot of stuff because he runs two companies. Jack Dorsey also runs uh, two companies, and he is not as vocal as Musk is. Either way, if you're running two companies at that level, that has to be a lot of stress on you. Um, I think what Musk is doing, I think SpaceX is where he should spend his time. I personally think that he should get rid of Tesla and get it over. I think Tesla should be sold to Apple, and I think Elon should just focus on us becoming a multi-planetary species, because that's where I think that we should be focusing a lot of our energy and resources on. So... I think that that uh, I think that it's good that must kind of cuts back on the, the tweeting and just really focus on the company. He's not saying that he can't do both. I just think that when you run that public company and you going out there and and, and saying stuff out there and, you know, it can have a detrimental effect on the public side of the company, on the publicly traded company. Um, so I think that that's just a, a smart business move on Musk's end um, for where he's at. Just like I would hate to see, you know, the the CEO of the bank that I work for constantly tweeting all the time. I would want to be focused on business. Again, not saying that Elon Musk can't do both and not saying that I don't like Elon. I highly respect Elon Musk, and I, I think that he uh, is going to be doing even more great things um in the future. Now onto a man that's decided to step down from what he's doing. Jeff Bezos, the CEO and founder of the amazing Amazon took a is taking a back seat be, by becoming the executive chairman of Amazon and handing the reins Over to the gentleman involved with his AWS business. Um, If you don't know what AWS business is, that is Amazon Web Services. And they focus on their cloud computing and cloud storage business, which is what kind of turned Amazon around. Prior to that, Amazon was just like a fancy Walmart, I guess you could say. And Bezos and his investment into Amazon Web Services helped turn that around. Um, The uh, career of Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon.com, has been nothing short of amazing. There is a fantastic chart here on MarketWatch. If you head on over to it, it shows Amazon's total return as opposed to the SP 500 total return since 1997, and it makes the SP 500 just looked like a flat line. I mean, it destroyed it. These are the kinds of companies that you want to be involved with. But at the time, you would really don't know if that's what the company's going to do. And it went like, I don't know, 1497 to 2014 without really doing anything. And then just boom became just ginormous. And one of the things that Bezos always (laughs) claims that he does is they're always 10, 20 years out. There was a, I don't know if it was a uh, CEO in Japan. No. Yeah. The CEO, the founder of CEO or the the founder of Sony or the CEO of Sony, Sony said that they plan out 200 years. There's nothing more impactful than planning. I just want to say that people always make fun of me because of how planned I'm probably a little bit more structured than I need to be. Um, in fact, if you know, I guess I shouldn't say this, but technically if you wanted to find out where I was at, you would just have to watch me for a week and I do literally the same thing because I'm so structured. Um, so, um, um uh, Jeff Bezos is stepping down. Uh, I'm trying to find out here who is taking over. Um, uh what the well I know who's taking over it's the head of the AWS services but for some reason that person's not important enough to put their name in here uh or for them to put the, the name of that gentleman in here but it's the, the head of the AWS division so you can look it up if you want. Not soup, not really that important um other than I don't know what this means for Amazon. I mean if if Bezos had been planning this because he's such a good planner and they're bringing this person on and that person knows what's happening, then I definitely think that it could, could Amazon could still continue the way Tim Cook just continued to grow Apple. So uh, again, Amazon uh, not a company that I'm a super, a big fan of trying to move away from using their products, um, just because of their business practices. But that doesn't mean that you have to stop using them, use them. It's super convenient. Um, so so the other thing, too, is Alphabet uh, post record profits for second straight quarter despite the pandemic, which not 100 percent sure how the pandemic would have affected that since it's a virtual company. But anyways, revenue after removing traffic acquisition costs improved to forty six point four three a billion dollars. Um, Google's parent Alphabet Inc. post record profits for a second straight quarter during the pandemic, sending shares surging eight percent to a 52 week high and after hours trading today to Tuesday, February 2nd, the search engine behemoth, Google G-O-O-G-L, um, reported a net income of $15.23 billion, or $22.30 a share compared with net income of $10.67 billion or $15.35 a share in uh, compared to the year ago uh, this quarter. So, Uh, Google just destroyed because I mean, not being destroyed, they destroyed uh, due to the pandemic um, and all the regulatory stuff. I'm a big fan of Google. Um, I think it is difficult because they they have been known to not been known to, but have been accused of having shady practices with their um, ad sales um, and how that the algorithm works and what they show you and stuff. But I mean, from the development side and what they've been able to do with the Android operating system and their um, Android development, um, especially since I'm spending a lot of time doing that Android development now, I'm trying to build the age of radio podcast or age of radio podcast. Your app, so I mean, I am spending more time with Google products, and so it continues to be a great, uh, a great company. And through master's school, when I was going to Northeastern University and getting my MBA, we um, all I did, all I had was a Chromebook. I. Did all of my master's stuff on a Chromebook because I'm super, super cheap and my computer was crappy and I don't want to spend the money on it. So I used uh, Word or uh, Google Docs, Google Sheets, Google PowerPoint to put myself all the way through doing my master's program um, at Northeastern. And so obviously they have great products. And this was a couple of years ago. I think I, gra- well, I know I graduated from that in 2015. Yeah, 2015. So so I'm a big fan of Google. So good for them uh, getting record profits. Um, and let's see the last thing too. I just want to mention this because I think it's great. Um, Twitter permanently has, has permanently banned the corporate my account after founder Mike Lindell posted from it. So I guess Mike Lindell got shut off from Twitter. Um, but Lindell, Lindell tried getting around his personal Twitter ban by using his company's account to call out Jack Dorsey. Uh, Jack Dorsey is the founder of Twitter. Um, uh, and then it looks like that Jack decided, well, Twitter decided that he was breaking their policies, so he put them down. Um, but it says we're extremely busy and hiring as fast as we can to handle all the shipping. The post continued Jack will be found out and should be put in prison when all is revealed. A Twitter representative confirmed to market watch at the corporate. My pillow account was permanently suspended for violating our ban evasion policy. Twitter has banned more than 70,000 accounts for sharing misinformation since the riot at the U S capital last month. And this, the, the my pillow guy um, was doing some of that. And the Goya guy The guy that owns Goya, uh, I guess, was doing that too. And he, I guess, made alluded to the um, false voting or the voting fraud. And so his board for Goya, the Goya board of directors, said that the CEO is not allowed to do any more uh, interviews without board approval. So if you ever are curious if the CEO is really in charge, they're really not. It's the board of directors. And they are the ones that are actually the capitalists and we're talking about capitalism and how the ownership works, the board, and then the shareholders, obviously. And so I think that uh, I think that uh, I'm a. so I guess I'm a little biased because I support Jack Dorsey. In fact, I'm a there's a lot of stuff that Twitter does that I'm a fan of. Um, I didn't realize how much of Twitter I enjoy until I started doing Twitter a lot more. And I think that it's a fantastic product. I'm a big fan of Square. We don't personally use Square. I use Ingencio and Elevon, I think, for one of my other businesses for their merchant. And then we use uh, another merchant company. Uh, we use QuickBooks Merchant for Age of Radio. And we use another merchant company for my health uh, company that I'm trying to, to to get off the ground. And so so to that point, um, I think Square is a fantastic product. I think Jack did a great job with Square. Jack did a great job with Twitter. Um, so, uh, again, I'm biased, but I can definitely see how if it's not your opinion and what you believe and those thoughts and those uh, and, and and the stuff that's being Said for the things that you believe are being shut down, I can see how that could look like some type of oppression. But this has to do with policy. Um, and if you're not following Twitter policy, they're the company that you agree to follow their policy. It's very similar to when hosts come and are a part of a radio, they agree to follow a policy. Now, the difference is with us being a smaller company than Twitter. I don't have a problem with people reaching out to me and saying, hey, Jeremy, this is my thought on this. Um, and I will definitely work with people. But again, you know, I'm a big fan of people of Uh, Twitter shutting down fascists. Um, If you agree with the fascists, then I can see how you would be pissed off. Um, So I guess that's really everything that kind of happened so far. GME crashed, AMC crashed, um, Alphabet's doing good. Uh, Twitter suspended Lindell and Jeff Bezos is stepping down and Elon Musk is missing from Twitter. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the age of Jeremy. Thank you so much for sticking around for the second half. If you're wondering why I'm out of breath, is because usually when I start to do this podcast every Tuesday, I do it after I get off work at my, my main job. And, uh, I do this and then I do, um, we have some, some people that purchase us for audio, um, uh, for audio editing for their podcast, and I do that afterwards, and I kind of kick back, and I've been spending a lot of time doing a job program, but during this time, Kylo, my dog, my poo, my pride and joy, my little baby, he, he's four, he likes to go outside and bark at the neighbor dog, and then that dog starts barking, and then my neighbor starts yelling at his dog, and I feel bad, and then the other people that live behind me, their dog starts barking. And then like the dog out front starts barking. So I just spent like the last five minutes trying to chase that, my dog Kylo around the backyard, trying to get him and bring him inside. And I don't know what's happened because when he was a young puppy. He was so good that just over time, he just continues to be like, I'm getting older. I don't have to freaking listen to you. And that, that is a pain in the butt but i wanted to to dive a little bit deeper for maybe the next 10 15 minutes maybe 20 minutes who knows into this robin hood thing so robin hood essentially the idea was that robin hood stopped selling stopped selling gme stock and amc stock because people made the what what was happening on social media is people were saying that citadel Citadel uh, Capital owned or one of the investors in Robinhood and Citadel Capital also had a hedge fund that was losing billions of dollars due to this short. So Citadel made Robinhood stop the sell of GME, GameStop and AMC. So the stock price would fall down so that the people had the short positions could make their money back. And that's not really what happened. What really happened, and this is surprising, is Robinhood doesn't have any cash. And so that's something that we call being solvent. And so without going into too many details, we'll just, for the purposes of this, it means that you don't have enough cash to continue operations. And they didn't have enough cash to handle the workload that was being placed onto them due to the purchasing of the GameStop. And so that's, that's a big problem for a company that needs to have cash. And so that it kind of opens up a few very interesting questions about what we're allowing to happen and how billionaires are being made. So billionaires are traditionally are made because of investments in their companies and all of this cash flows in. And because they own the largest portion of that, they are called billionaires. That doesn't mean they have a billion dollars in cash. Um, It could mean that they get paid maybe a million dollars a year or whatever, but their net worth is a billion dollars. And over time, if they take dividends or they get bonuses, I know that I think if, if Musk makes all of his, his requirements to hit bonus, I think his bonus is close to a billion dollars. It's like $794 million. And so, yes, you can become very, very wealthy that way. But, the founder of Robin Hood, he is a billionaire because, you know, he owns the majority portion of it. He probably gets good bonuses and he has the most ownership in the company. And so he has he's a billionaire. So they always are continuously needing to have cash. So they don't try to balance their balance sheet. They don't try to get their expenses under control. They just figure that because they're the next big thing that all of this cash will continue to keep throwing at them. So they never turn things around and become profitable. And so a lot of these companies are called unicorns, where the goal is, is that it just becomes big enough, like say Facebook, that it, you invest when it's low, it becomes a unicorn, it just blows up, it goes public, you make billions of dollars. There's this new model coming out called being a zebra, and that zebra is, maybe we're not going to be a billion dollar company, but we're going to be a $10 million company that has really good profit. And one of the things that people need to think about, capitalism aside, is that Profit is super important to a business. Now, what you do with that profit um, kind of determines what your, you know, whether or not you're socially responsible um, or ethically responsible, but for the most part, you should be trying to minimize those expenses, increase those revenues, and get as much profit as you can out of that company to do cool shit with, because the more profit that you have, the more money that you have that you can reinvest back into the company, the more money that you can pay out to employees for bonuses, the more you can give distributions to the owners, and that should be the goal. And so there's a fantastic um, uh, podcast that I don't have a clip of called Command Line Heroes, and there is a uh, black gay woman who has a angel investment company that focuses on angel investing for people of color, people that are homosexuals that are part of the lgbtq community and i don't remember her name off the top of my head but she likes looking for these zebra businesses because they don't want to be billionaires they want to run a really good company and that's important to them and for you being a business owner that needs to be in to you, but back to Robinhood. Robinhood just doesn't give a shit because they just know that they created something really interesting. They for they focus on enticing people to to continue to buy stock because that's how they make a good amount of their money. So. If we look if we're trying to if we look at we look at Robinhood and i think the, the main founder and as you all know i'm terrible with names but vladimir um tanev he's the he's the founder of robin hood or one of the founders of robin hood and if if we look at if vladimir is running the company he's getting a lot of a lot of the money um and it turns out that That I I guess I shouldn't say he's getting a lot of the money, but I'm saying that it's making he became a billionaire because of Robin Hood. And Robinhood turns out to not have any cash, which it poses an interesting thing because Robinhood makes its money by getting kickbacks or what they call rebates for getting trades from people and then getting those trades executed. So they'll get uh, someone like me, or not me specifically, because I don't use Robinhood, but we'll say someone like me because I'm a millennial. So they'll get a millennial to go on there and they'll entice them to get this stock or to buy this stock or this is the best thing or share this stock and get another free stock or whatever. And then once that that happens, and they get more stock, and they buy more stock. Then that they then then Robinhood is a midway point, but t- as a broker to find someone to execute that trade. So then they find the company to execute that trade, and that execute get that trade, they give them a kickback for them using them for that trade. And so the less money that Robinhood has, the more they need to get you to get you to. Um, get you to invest. And that's why Robinhood's designed to entice people to continue to invest and invest and invest and invest. And now we have all of these people and some of them could be really good. Some of them could be really bad getting into investing and then giving advice on investing when technically maybe they should be doing better research and the company should be held accountable for the information that they're giving to people to invest. The other problem is, is they also make a lot of their money off a margin and margins when you borrow um, money to invest uh, for, and that's mainly designed for speculative investing. Because if why would you borrow money to buy a stock if you're going to hold that stock forever? I mean, I guess you could if you can't afford it or you want a lot of it, but a lot of it has to do with speculative investing. Can you get rich off of speculative investing? Absolutely. Is speculative investing fun? Absolutely. But when you have a group of people that want to When you have a lot of people that don't know anything about investing and then you have all these people coming in and saying, we can get all this money if we invest in this stock and it's gonna go up, then you put all your money in that stock and maybe it wasn't the right thing. So if you were going to invest, I would say a couple of things. One, get a traditional brokerage account. TD Ameritrade is the one, so I have my Roth IRA with my Wells Fargo brokerage account and then we are working on getting a family investment uh, uh, operating agreement together, and then we we're going to open up a TD Ameritrade account under that family investment LLC. And with the t- the reason why I want to do TD Ameritrade is because I and I think that I want to try out ThinkOrSwim, which is their um, their uh, their uh, brokerage platform or their software platform. Uh, and I think that that's where I want to go that route. So there's also other ones, Charles Schwab. Not saying that any of these would have stopped the selling of the GME or AMC stock. But I'm just saying that they're more reputable brokerage houses than, say, Robin Hood. And again, if you want to still go with Robinhood, absolutely go there. There's also Webull. Weeble is one that my brother-in-law uses, I believe it is, and he does a great job with it. But I use Wells Fargo. Um, Wells Fargo doesn't have as many tools as some of the other brokerage accounts, but I, so I also am getting on the TD Ameritrade. I used E-Trade in the past. That's a great platform as well. And so I think that you should do more research on other and larger brokerage houses, but we don't see advertisements for those because that's not the the companies that's providing that main source of income. And so, so you might be asking, well, how do they make their money? Well, as we stopped doing commission, we stopped doing, um, uh, we started doing more free trades across most brokerage platforms. And the reason why that happened is because companies like Robinhood came along, um, and we're taking all of that business because they don't offer any trades. And so, or, or they don't offer any, um, uh, they don't charge a fee for their trades. And so a lot of companies, like at one point, uh, Wells Fargo I, brokerage did, I think it was nine ninety nine 99 a trade, and then it went to five ninety nine a trade. And then we just stopped, The Wells Fargo just stopped trading. And same thing with TD Ameritrade and E-Trade and Charles Schwab. And that's because what they decided to do was it made more sense for them because you'll traditionally hold a cash position in your brokerage account. They'll loan out that cash similar to the deposit accounts that you hold at the bank. And so they can get the, the return on, that a lot better, and it gives them that cash to lend out than, say, um, charging people for the fee for the trade. So it it was just a logical... Place for us to move to um, as technology came along. And again, I don't want to be terribly tor- towards Robinhood. I made a TikTok today that was kind of like "f Robinhood" um, because my goal isn't to just downgrade and talk crap about other companies. I think the the app itself, um, uh, I have, I think I got was given a free Zynga stock when uh, a couple years ago in Robinhood. And so the app itself is really cool. I think that that's great, and we're moving technology forward, and we need to be trying to innovate in this space, but Robinhood really messed up in this regard. And I mean, it's just now showing where they're at. So I don't know how Robinhood's going to rebuild itself. Cause I would imagine at some point Robin hood, they would want to take Robin hood public. Um, I don't know that for sure, but I would imagine so. So a lot of the original investors can make a crap load of their money back, but at the same time, um, I don't, I don't necessarily support it. I again would support a, a different brokerage firm. Um, like, like I said, TD Ameritrade um, over any of the other ones personally and, or maybe ETrade. Again, I've used these ones. I haven't used some of the other ones. Oh, I've also used uh, Edward, Edward Jones doesn't have a, from when I used Edward Jones, I just had an advisor that had some stuff for me. So I don't know if Edward Jones has a brokerage app now, but there's lots of other stuff that's out there for you to use which brings me to the point that you should be investing. So what I would recommend, whether you're a consumer or a business owner is to have two types of two types of brokerages or accounts, right? You have your solid money. Okay. That has a plan in place that you're sticking to that plan. And I'll say this, the biggest thing, the biggest reason why people don't have enough money for retirement is because they don't have a plan. And if they do have a, well, so they don't know what they want to do after they retire. That's the first thing. Second thing, they don't know how they're going to make money after they retire. Okay. The third thing is they don't have a plan to get to retirement. And then the fourth thing that comes along is that a lot of the times when they do have a plan and they're moving along towards their retirement, they don't know, they don't stay on that plan. So they fall off. So it's a good idea to have a financial advisor that you stick with, that you stay on the plan and you just follow that plan. That's the reason why it's a plan They we have strategies that are in place to get to get people as financial advisors to retirement, to that the mark that they need to make. Um, they have programs that can tell you what you need to make, how long that money will last for you into retirement. And you need as a, definitely as a business owner and also as a consumer, um, or an employee, you need to have that part of your plan. So I would recommend reaching out and finding a financial advisor, financial advisors get different fees for different things. Some of them will charge a fee just for giving advice. A lot of them will take a percentage off of the amount that they grow your, your, um, portfolio. Some of them will charge a monthly fee no matter what, up to a certain, you know, dollar amount that you have in assets with them. There's lots of different ways that they can charge you to pay, but I would really, or different ways that they charge you, but I would definitely look at finding a financial advisor, building a relationship with that person, and moving forward with that person, no matter what your status of wealth is, okay? And even if you can put $25 a month into some type of an account, um, whether it's an individual retirement account that you have a mutual fund in or an index fund in, that will start setting you up for retirement, that financial advisor can help you along the way, but then also make sure that financial advisor understands taxes, and then also make sure that financial advisor understands, um, understands just budgeting and regular personal finance stuff. So I would really recommend that whether you're, like I said, a business owner or a consumer or an employee for a business owner, okay? Now, in that, you just stick to that plan. That gets you to where you need to be. Then you either use that same financial advisor or you just get your own brokerage account and you just start trading however you wanna trade, learn about charting, learn about um, technical analysis. There's a great uh, magazine that I enjoy reading. It's called um, Commodities and Stocks, Technical Analysis of Commodities and Stocks. They have lots of great charting patterns. They teach you about Japanese candlesticks, um, which is a charting um, methodology. And you can learn about... That and then put say a thousand dollars that you're comfortable. That's a lot. Um, well, I guess some people would have a thousand dollars to put in that a month, but you could put like four hundred dollars into that. You know, a quarter or a hundred dollars a month, fifty dollars a month, and just buy the stuff that's interesting to you, just to see if you can do, be be speculative and make money. What you don't want to use is will do is use that retirement money to do that speculative investment because speculative investing you there's a larger chance that you're going to lose money and there's a larger chance that if you made money it's just by luck not because you know anything inherently different than anybody else because in theory all of the information is available to the market so you can't technically beat the market even though people think that they can't again that's just my personal experience um And there are times where I'm like, oh, my gosh, I beat the market because I had such an amazing year or whatever. It's just, in my opinion, it's just luck. Um, But if you feel that way and you want to do that route, by all means, go and do that route because you should be making money for yourself. So I really encourage you to reach out to a financial advisor. Um, as far as financial advisors go, we are not sponsored by um, any of the th- companies that I mentioned. We're not sponsored by Wells Fargo. We're not sponsored by TD Ameritrade. We're not sponsored by Charles Schwab. We're not anti-sponsored by Robin Hood or sponsored by Robinhood. These are just my opinions and solely my opinions, not the opinions of Age of Radio. Um, if you go and do a financial advisor, Edward Jones is a really good company. Charles Schwab is a really good company. Most of them own their own financial office. They're like franchisees almost. Um, so there could be people just like you that had started a small business and that way that they started that small business was by becoming a financial advisor and getting their buying into their own Charles Schwab building or their own Edward Jones building. Um, and then, <clears throat> or you can go to your local bank, uh, bank of America has financial advisors. Wells Fargo has financial financial advisors. Um, uh some of the things that you might run into um, some places require you to have a uh, a decent amount of money if you're going to invest with them some of them may uh, require you to have a monthly amount that you invest with them and then also make sure that they're upfront with any type of fees that uh, could be in in the agreement that you sign with them when you you bring them your money to invest so just always be on the lookout for shysters and be on the lookout that all corporations don't have your best interest at heart. For the most part, they have their own best interest at heart. So um, they are going to be paid. um, Just you have to be okay with how much and for what they're being paid for. So uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention now that we talked about that is that A lot of people don't understand how um, the short works and the short is a used in hedge funds or in hedging strategies to reduce the amount. Traditionally, it's to reduce the amount that you would otherwise lose if you were to um, sell or, uh, well, the short not, but options are or derivatives are. Um, It reduces the amount that you would otherwise lose or gain if you bought or sold a stock and so with these short positions the reason why gme went up so high is because so many people had so many short positions out as people started buying into the market the cost the price of gme started to go up and these people started buying also buying up gme to cover the short positions because a short position means traditionally that you borrowed the stock for maybe a fee you um, sold that stock for a higher price with the intent to buy the stock back at a lower price when it falls to give back to the person that you borrowed the stocks from. And then the difference in that buying and selling was the money that you made. So so when you get into different strategies like that, they are fun. Uh, hedging's fun. Options are fun. But I am also a huge fan as if you are not a uh, finance connoisseur or <laughs> investment connoisseur, just stick to buying index funds mutual funds and companies that you believe in, that you want to own and hold them with no intent to sell them ever. And those will be good investments for you. I hope you guys have a great day. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Age of Jeremy. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. If you can do me a favor, please rate this podcast if your podcatcher allows you to. Talk to you soon.